welcome to Nerd of Paradise, the podcast with a quirky take on nerd culture. I'm your host, Kate, and you're listening to Episode 4, Route 66. I'm really excited for this episode, and it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a ton of content to get to, so I won't take up too much of your time with the long intro, but just on the off chance that someone's listening who doesn't really know what Route 66 is. Let me give you a quick definition from Wikipedia. U.S. Route 66, also known as the Will Rogers Highway and colloquially known as the Main Street of America or the Mother Road, was one of the original highways within the U.S. highway system. Route 66 was established on November 11, 1926, with road signs erected the following year. The highway, which became one of the most famous roads in America, originally ran from Chicago, Illinois, through Missouri, Kansas, Oklahoma, Texas, New Mexico, and Arizona before ending at Santa Monica, California, covering a total of 2,448 miles or 3,940 kilometers. It was recognized in popular culture by both the hit song, Get Your Kicks on Route 66, and the Route 66 television show in the 1960s. So that's Route 66 in a nutshell. But as you'll find out in this episode, it's so much more than just that brief paragraph written on Wikipedia. So let's get on to the episode. And I'm really happy to bring on a special guest host for this episode. A real live human this time, not just a couple of droids. Say hi, Kendra! Yellow! Kendra is significant to this Route 66 episode because me and her actually traveled Route 66 together. That Woo! was so much fun, wasn't it, Kendra? <laughs> it was, very much so. All right, so that was in 2009. And yeah, what? we... S- yeah, 2009. I know. Oh, it's- <laughs> <laughs> I know, time flies, right? <laughs> yeah. Now here we are, six over six years later, <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> but yeah, just um, to give people an idea, first of all, with me and Kendra, we've been friends for a long time, since we were like little kids. And I don't remember when exactly I first started having an interest in Route 66, but I've been talking about it like for a long time, haven't I? <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, we'd always talked about doing, like, this epic road trip adventure. And so this seemed like the perfect opportunity because I was moving from North Dakota back down to Arizona. And so we just needed to take a little detour over to Chicago so we could start (laughs) from Chicago to L.A. All right, so what are some of your most vivid memories of our Route 66 trip? (laughs) Probably... (laughs) The hysterical fact that I I was continually being subtly mugged by people, but I never caught on to the fact that people were trying to ask me for money. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like the kid in Chicago, he kept asking me if I could help him with the bus, and I thought he <laughs> meant like help him find the bus. <laughs> I'm like... Well, I'm not from around here, so I don't know where the buses are. And he's like, no, can you help me get on the bus? And so then I'm looking at him like, is he carrying something heavy? (laughs) You're like, you move one foot in front of the other. I'm like, you need me to help you get something on the bus? He's like, no, can you just give us some money? I remember. Uh, What was happening? Was that a few other times, too. In New Mexico. Yeah, New Mexico, that guy, when we were taking pictures of the cars, 
Yeah. He came over and he was like all chit-chatting and saying he had family up in North Dakota or something. And then then finally he's like, so can I have some money? I'm like, no, get out of here. And then that meth head guy that had you cornered in that parking lot. Oh, yeah. Good times. <laughs> Man, uh, people are not going to be wanting to drive Route 66 after they listen to this. Well, I think the issue might have been us. <laughs> yeah, probably. Not that we, we were... just we probably looked so innocent and naive, and like they're like, "Hey, there's some easy money there." Yep, easy marks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, as far as landmarks, though, <laughs> nice segue, huh? What stands out in your mind, like as far as the landmarks? Probably the blue whale in Katusa. Oh uh, yeah. Mostly just because of how you scream bloody murder when you saw it. <laughs> <laughs> you drive off the road. I didn't know what you were screaming. Do you want to reenact that? <laughs> it might be a little hard without visuals because that was that was. So, I don't remember screaming about the blue whale. Well, I was driving, and we knew it was coming up somewhere. We knew it was along. We were like, you know, going to be going right past it. We're just driving along, do do do. And all of a sudden, like, you literally blood-curdling scream. Good <laughs> <laughs> like, lord, what? I thought we were dying or something. Oh, my gosh. Like, there's the blue whale! <laughs> Did we get that recorded at all? I don't think so. It was oh. That didn't happen. Yeah, that's right, because we, we were sad we missed that, so we tried to reenact it when we get, came up to the Cadillacs. <laughs> And it just wasn't. Oh, because that's what I was going to say. I, I kind of remember something about Cadillac Ranch. Yeah. <laughs> that was cool, too. What do they call it? Carhenge? Yes. Okay, so let's explain what Carhenge is. So, you know, you know what Stonehenge is, right? So picture Stonehenge, but recreated with a bunch of Cadillacs buried halfway into the ground. And you have Carhenge. <laughs> Boom. And what, what was the, the guy that did it? Why did he do it again? Wasn't it like a monument to the automobile culture of the United States or something or like that? Or something like know. that. It was supposed to be, it was t- kind of like supposed to be an art installation of some kind. Yeah, I think so. And then, so that was cool because you could, you know, graffiti everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have cans of spray paint that you can paint whatever. Do you remember what message you painted? I painted, watch out for zombies. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I did... Something about Route 66. <laughs> yeah, you did like a Route 66 sign, and then somewhere else you did something about road trip for life or something, best road trip Ooh, or yeah. something like that. Yeah, I, sounds like I me. felt like I needed to use this to send out a very important PSA about zombies. So, <laughs> like, how often do you have this platform? That's so typical of us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which awesome. part? Which part is typical? That you would, like, do something about zombies and I'm writing about Route 66 and road trips. Oh, yeah, you're like, beautiful memories, let's road trip for forever. And I'm like, zombies! <laughs> How about the rabbit ranch in Illinois? That was that was really fun, too. I mean, just because there was... That was so unexpected. That pet. Yes, that was, and he was very knowledgeable. He was very helpful. Uh, the funny thing about that was when you called... You talked to somebody back home here, and you just kept calling it the Bunny Ranch. <laughs> and they were 
they were all concerned that we had somehow gotten ourselves like wrapped up in some like sex scandal. <laughs> Because they were thinking like Playboy buddies. Oh my gosh. <laughs> like, what That's are you awesome. talking about? Let's talk about the happier memories. <laughs> <laughs> Those are happy memories. Those are hilarious memories. They are. They're pretty awesome. <laughs> I remember driving through Needles, which was, is is that the oldest part of it or something like that that you can still drive on? What is Needles? Through Needles, Arizona into California, like the stretch between. Oh, like past Oatman. That yeah. was really pretty. That was, like, so picturesque. I loved that. Yes. That was my favorite part of the drive. It was, even though it was holy Hannah hot, but. Yeah. It was, it was, I, that was my favorite part of the whole drive, I think. It was so pretty, and it reminded me of in the movie Cars, like, when, yeah. you know, like when they're doing that drive. So let's talk about Seligman for a little bit, and then I'll go into some of my segments where I just recently went up to Seligman and talked to some of the people there. So, what are your memories about Seligman, Arizona? Um, I remember that was where we ate at the Roadkill Cafe, I believe. Yep. And that it was very good. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember through, like, where we started, even in Chicago, we kept seeing this print at almost all these different places, like, as a souvenir, Route 66 souvenir, that was of this particular neon sign with awesome blue sky and yeah. behind it. And we were just like in love with this print and we kept seeing it everywhere. But you, since you were, we had the car packed so full, it was like we couldn't ever buy it anywhere because it was always huge. Mm-hmm. And then we get to Seligman and there it is. It's the sign outside of the Roadkill Cafe. And we were yeah. just like losing our minds that we had found the actual sign. So we could that was so our cool. Own <laughs> I know. That was really cool. <laughs> and then I just, yeah, Seligman was just so, it was full of so much crazy stuff <laughs> that it was just, there was, you like, Quirky. you could have spent the whole day there just looking at all the stuff they had. Yeah, definitely. And that's actually pretty much what I did um, just the other day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, do you remember the little barber shop? Mm-hmm, yep. So, when we went there, I think we might have talked to one of the daughters, didn't we? I, I think so, yeah. So, um, so the the guy that actually started the barbershop, he wasn't in when I went back there, but his name is Angel, and he's 88 years old, and he still comes into work every day cutting people's hair, and so he wasn't in, though. He, I guess he had an interview, but I got to sit down and talk to his daughter, Myrna. Cool. Yeah, and so I talked with her for a really long time, and she had some great stuff to say about her dad <laughs> and Seligman and Route 66, so... I'm going to go ahead and play that interview right now. All right, so I'm here with Myrna Delgadillo, right? Yes. Am I saying that right? You absolutely are. Okay, awesome. <laughs> so your dad's kind of a legend, I understand, right, Angel? Yes, he is, absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit about him? Oh, just a little bit? Oh, a lot. Okay, tell us everything. Great. Well, let me tell you all about Angel, okay? Yeah. Angel um, was born and raised in Seligman, Arizona. He was born in 1927. Um, He was born in a house which sits along Route 66. Uh, Route 66 has been in his blood all his life. Um, He went to the American Pacific Barber College in 
1947 to follow in his father's footsteps to become a barber. Um, he went to the American Pacific Barber College and attended that in Pasadena, California, which is also on Route 66. He came back and served his apprenticeship in Williams, Arizona in 1950 on Route 66. And then he came back and opened his father's old barber shop in 1953. Wow. So um, Route 66 has been intertwined in his life since the day that he was born. And um, he's been a barber here all his life. He owned a pool hall and a little game room for the kids. And um, when our town was bypassed by Interstate 40 in 1978, our town from one day to the next literally died. Wow. Before the interstate system came through, this road we're looking at right out there, if you can imagine all the traffic that's driving on I-40 mm -hmm. was driving Whoa. right here. So uh, we used to average 9,000 cars mm -hmm. through the middle of our town. And the day that the interstate system opened up, we went from 9,000 cars to nothing. Whoa. If you can imagine that. One day you're in business, right. and the next day no one's passing wow. in front of your business. We went from so 9,000 cars to nothing. That plot line sounds a little familiar. So with this movie Cars? Yes. So I understand Slugman is kind of the basis for that, is that correct? Well, John Lasseter, the producer of the movie Cars, he's with Pixar and uh, used to be with Disney, he traveled Route 66 from Chicago to LA and he interviewed uh, different people along the way and he did stop in and he interviewed my dad. My dad sat awesome. in this barber chair and John Lasseter asked him questions. So yes, a lot of the movie is based on the story that my dad relayed to him in their interview of That's how so our cool. town died. If you look at the uh, DVD mm -hmm. under inspiration, the yeah, bonus features, that. okay, you'll see that yeah. interview taking place here in That's my dad's so awesome. barber chair. So definitely he got inspiration from our story. You bring up the chair, so I'm curious about the chair. Has this chair been here like the whole time since he opened it? In oh, the absolutely. 50s? This chair. Wow. My grandfather was That's a barber, so cool. okay? Uh -huh. My grandfather came from Jalisco, Mexico in 1917. Uh -huh. He worked for Santa Fe Railroad until Santa Fe Railroad went on strike in the early 20s. In, in Mexico, my grandfather did adobe work. That was his trade. So he came here after he went on strike with Santa Fe. He bought a piece of property. He built an adobe building and he opened up a pool hall. He had a poker room in back and he taught himself to cut hair. Whoa. Okay, so he, the first chair he made out of wood. In 1920, we still have the receipt. Our family doesn't oh, wow. throw anything That's away. So cool. This is my dad's trophy case. Wow. And my, my grandfather's name was also Angel. Oh, okay. My grandfather was Angel. My dad is Angel. Uh -huh. My brother is Angel. Oh, wow. Okay, try answering the phone at home when they're asking for <laughs> Angel. So anyhow, my grandfather purchased this barber chair in 1926 for $194. That was a lot of money back then. Um, so this is the chair that my grandfather used, mm -hmm. and, and he closed his business during the height of the Depression in the 30s, wow. and, and when my dad went to Barber College and came back, he
he reopened my grandfather's old business Whoa. and used my grandfather's chair. That's awesome. And, and my dad said, this chair, as you can see, people have said, well, why don't you get it reupholstered? <laughs> oh, my gosh, this chair is over 90 years old. Yeah. The stories that this, yeah, that's this, what I was thinking. this tells right here. So we don't want to change the How chair How many people do you think have sat? It. Well, since 1923, people have been sitting in this chair getting straight razor shades, yeah. old-fashioned haircuts, buzz cuts. That's awesome. And my dad said Koken made such a good chair, mm-hmm. he's never had to have it serviced. Wow. The hydraulics, it still goes There's up really and down. There's really some beautiful detail Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, Love that. So this chair is, um, it's a very famous chair all over the world. Um, it was featured on American Restoration. Um, so it's, it's a very famous chair. My dad uses this chair every day at the age of 88. He still comes to work every day and does old fashioned nice. haircuts oh, did I miss and straight him today? razor shaves. He had an interview this morning oh, with okay. a gentleman bi- bicycling across America. Oh, wow. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a typical day for him to have yeah. an interview here or there. Okay. But yes, he abs- absolutely with the question you started out the interview, he is absolutely the person who is responsible for making route 66 a yeah. historic highway. It was his idea. It was his dream. Um, when we got bypassed in 1978 for 10 long years, Seligman was very dead, as well as many other communities along the road. And many towns didn't last. If you're coming from California and you've driven down Route 66, I'm sure you've seen old gas stations right. boarded up, motels, restaurants. Um, luckily, we had my dad here in Seligman, who was the crusader for yes. saving Route 66. Our town is alive and well today because of it, mm-hmm. and many other communities along the road because of it. Um, before route, before the interstate system, no one was selling anything with Route 66 on it. We are the first store to sell anything with Route 66 on That's it. That's cool. This is my dad's barber shop remains. What you see out there, what is our gift shop now, used to be a pool hall and a game room for the children. When my dad started the association, the association was housed here in our pool hall. And little by little, people started getting off the road because they were getting tired of driving on I-40 with the big semis mm-hmm. and just going from point A to point B and not seeing America. Right. So people started getting off the road, traveling Route 66, and stopping in here at our association headquarters. And little by little people started asking my mom and dad well you know where can we get a t-shirt with route 66 on it Mm -hmm. so my mom and dad found vendors to make product with route 66 on it so we are officially the first store to sell anything with route 66 on it and um I came to work for my parents about 18 years ago because I saw the need. And um, today we have over 10 employees working here in our store to help take care of our customers who come from all over the world. My dad's been interviewed over 1,000 times, national and international. Um, so people see him on TV in their country. And uh, you were here this morning. You noticed a few tour buses on the side of the street. Those buses aren't here because they just kind of happen to stumble into Seligman. They're here for for a reason and that's to see Angel Delgadillo and the original Route 66 gift shop and barber shop. And because he has started this whole crusade of all 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 this people wanting to come travel to America, there's other business owners that are also making money off of Route 66. It's it's a big it's a big industry nowadays, mm-hmm. you know. I think there's over 600,000 products sold with Route wow. 66 on it. And and that's because one man had a dream and he wouldn't let anybody tell him no. 
Very inspirational. So. That's awesome. so is that a picture of him when he was yeah, younger? Yeah, that's my dad when he Aww. graduated from high school. That's, awesome. that's his high school picture. Oh, I need a picture of that. Yes. In fact, uh, speaking of high school, um, my dad, uh, he's, he's always been a go-getter. At the young age of 12, he worked at the Sligman High School as a journeyman janitor. So, um, and then um, at the age of 15, the, the janitor, the head janitor quit or retired. At the age of 15, they Whoa. gave my dad the keys to the whole school, <laughs> and he was responsible for stoking the fire in the morning, keeping the, wow. the school warm. He played sports at the time. He did his studies, and that's how he earned money to go to barber college. Nice. So he started working... Um, you know, at the school as a janitor, and he saved his money, and that's what helped him to attend the that's American awesome. Pacific Barber College. Wow. So he's pretty much been working all his life. Wow. So. Yeah. And today, at the age of 88, he still comes to work every day. He opens the so store cool. every day. Awesome. So. Very cool. So, um, what's your favorite part about Route 66? Being able to live in Seligman and work with my mom and dad. If it wasn't for Route 66, I wouldn't be here today. The only reason that I came back was to help my parents because I saw that they had a need. And, um, you know, being able, I never thought when I left here, when I was 18 years old, that I would come back and live in Seligman. And right. he, here I am, 18 years, been working for my mom and dad in their little gift shop and living here in Seligman. So for me, the best part about it is it was able to bring me back home. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, thanks for your time. Okay, you're welcome. Awesome. All oh, right. I gotta go find some more. Do you have any uh, suggestions? You know, go to the snow cap. My cousin John. Oh, yeah, Dan said to go I there, I would too. definitely go to the snow cap. So go, that's your go, relatives? Yeah. yeah. My okay. Uncle Juan opened up the snow cap in 1953. Awesome. He built it out of scrap lumber he collected when he was working for Santa Fe Railroad. Uh -huh. And that's another story in itself because oh, wow. our family almost became part of the Grapes of Wrath during the Depression when my grandfather closed down his pool hall barbershop. The family was going to move to California. Wow. And because, so because we... Delgadil Family Orchestra. At uh -huh. that time, my Uncle Juan, who owns the Snowcap, and my Uncle Joe played for an orchestra called the Harvey Becker Orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Becker heard that the Delgadil family was going to move to California during the Depression, and uh, he was didn't want to lose two of his band members, <laughs> so he got my Uncle Juan a job with Santa Fe. Wow. And my Uncle Juan fed the family of 11 during the Depression. Whoa. The younger kids went hungry, you know, to let the little kids, the smaller children, yeah. eat. But um, so my uncle Juan worked for Santa Fe, and he brought home any scrap lumber they had, and that's how he oh, built wow. the snowcap. Oh, that's so, so cool. Like I say, that's another story. Yeah, in itself. it is. Okay, so now I'm heading over to the snowcap. So here we go. Actually, Myrna's told me to come over here. Um, I'm doing a podcast oh. about Route 66. Oh. My name is John right. Delgadillo. Awesome. So you're Myrna's brother, right? No, Myrna's cousin. Cousin. Okay. We're cousins. Cousin. Yes. Gotcha. Yep. Okay, so we're here at the snow cap. So I understand there's an interesting story about like how it was built. It she kind of told with, me it. It was built with lumber, scrap mm -hmm. lumber from Santa Fe. Yeah. My father worked for Santa Fe. He had... Ask him for lumber, he'd bring it over here, and he started building a snowcap. So what year was this built 53. in? 53. 
53, wow. Opened in 53, probably started in 52. That's cool. Been here ever since. So what does Route 66 mean to you personally? Uh, personally means uh, it brings back time, brings back history, brings back happiness for me. Knowing that at one time the road used to go, the people used to travel the old road, now they're traveling the interstate. Mm -hmm. Now they're coming back to the old road. Yeah. Wanting to journey the old, you know, journey the old road. Yeah. So how many times have you done like the entire Route 66? I've only done it to Santa Monica. Interesting. I haven't I haven't gone east yet. Oh okay. How how many people do you get in here like in a normal in a day? Day it's Would hard to tell. Uh, probably a hundred. Yeah. You know. That's cool. All day long. Yeah. Maybe more. It's hard to tell. Some days are busier than others. Yeah. <laughs> so what did you think about the movie Cars? I thought it was great. Yeah. I loved it. I loved the I first one. I thought it was one. great. Yes, yes. The second one, it was as, I didn't think it was as good because it didn't have Route 66 mm -hmm. as yeah. much. So. Yep, yeah, it's, it was a good movie. It really helped the town of Seligman out. Yeah. It really did. Amongst other towns, but for us it did. Yeah, that's really mm. cool. So would you say that Seligman is kind of like, if you go to one spot of Route 66, it's kind of like representative of the entire road? I think so. Yeah, I definitely I think, think so. so. Mm -hmm. I really do. Yeah, yeah, like you were saying before, it's like stepping back in time. It's so, it's unlike anywhere like that I've right. ever been. It's like life slows down. Yeah. For me. Mm -hmm. Just a different yeah. atmosphere. Yeah, very true. Mm -hmm. So do you Not have any like interesting memories or? Memories of the old road? Yeah. At the time I was a kid, I didn't pay attention. Were you born and raised here? In I was Selection? born in Williams, raised oh, Williams, here. Mm -hmm. Which is also on Route 66, mm -hmm. huh? Mm -hmm. At the so time, the traffic was going through here when I was young. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't until, like, was it 70? Or 76, I think, about yeah. Justice. Yeah. Yeah, and then, so then it was just, like, really dead for a while. Mm -hmm. Until my that. Uncle Angel and a few other people yeah. got together. And That's really cool that you did that. Yeah, well, thanks for talking to Nerd of Paradise. That's the podcast. <laughs> You're very welcome. <laughs> You're very welcome. After the snow cap, I uh, had went down. So you remember Dan Rice. We'll play his interview after this okay. um, in a little bit. But he gave me some recommendations of things to look up and people to see in Seligman. So I went, he said to look up Lilo from West End Lilo's Cafe. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay. So I actually walked it. And it was a little further than I thought. Because it was right across <laughs> from the Roadkill Cafe. Oh. <laughs> on the other side of the road. Yeah. And it was actually, you know, I, I'm like totally acclimated to Phoenix weather now. <laughs> so it was like 50 degrees and it was like really cold and I walked the whole way. But so, yeah, I went to there and Lilo is this really cool lady. She's originally from Germany. Ooh. And so she started up this cafe on Route 66. I for, You'll hear in the interview when she started it and all that. But she was so nice and she was really <laughs> cool. So this is Lilo from West End Lilo's Cafe on Route 66. Hi, you're Lilo. Hi, my name's Kate. I'm doing a podcast about Route 66. Cool. So yeah, could I ask you a few questions? Sure. Okay, cool. All right. So this is your establishment then. When did you open up? 1995. Okay. So was there anything specific that inspired you to want to open a 
restaurant. Probably my grandma. She was a chef. I'm not yeah. a chef. I'm just a cook. Yeah. <laughs> so, what do you like about Route 66? What do I like about him? Yeah. That you meet all kinds of people from all over the world. Yeah. Do you have any interesting stories about people who come in here? Probably a lot. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's just generally visiting with people yeah. from China, Germany. Yeah. They bring me all sorts of gifts, <laughs> like all these license plates on the Oh, wall. wow. Yeah. Those are all from Germany. Yeah, I noticed I'm the originally German from Germany. Flag out there. Okay. I was born and raised in Germany. Okay. But I've been in Seligman since 1962. Oh wow. So it's been a long time. So do you find that like Route 66 is more popular with the, the American tourists or foreign tourists? Foreign. Yeah. Definitely. That's yeah. really interesting because I, I, I didn't really realize that. I, yeah. I, Dan kind of brought that out to me when I was interviewing him. It really is. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. He was kind of surprised. But it's that, that I'm the Europeans in it. they show a lot on television about Route 66. Oh, okay. We went to Germany and did a show over there, and they came over here and took over my restaurant. And we went to Germany oh, and cool. took over their restaurant. That's awesome. And that was shown in Germany. Oh, nice. Well, in Europe as yeah. a general. You know. Yeah. But it's all good. It's, yeah. It's great. Yeah. You order whatever you like. Okay. And it was Thank nice you. meeting you. Me too. And good luck on you. Oh, thanks. Make so, sure send me a. Copy. Are you on Twitter or anything? I'm on Facebook. Facebook? I'm actually yeah. not on Facebook right well, now. Well, I'm but. on Westside Lilos. Oh, okay. If you get a business card up front. Okay. So yeah, I'm look. It'll probably be released on November 11th. Cool. And my website is nerdofparadise.net. Cool. Well, nerd goes right along with Route 66. There you go. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Okay, so I got my breakfast burrito and hash browns. They look really good. There's tons of hash browns. And I'm about to take my first bite of the burrito. Mmm, it's really good. Delicious. So we made it to the end of Route 66, and we were on the Santa Monica Pier. And then we see Dan Rice and his booth with t-shirts and other yeah. miscellaneous Route 66 stuff. So what was your impression of Dan? I do remember that he was, um, well, he was very nice, obviously, and he was incredibly knowledgeable. I mean, like, if an expert, if you could ever have one. And yeah. It was, I, he was very impressed with us. <laughs> yeah. Like we talked about that most of the time people of our generation don't really have an interest in this particular section of history. And so he was impressed with us that we were young people that were interested in, in trying to make this trek. So right. it was, it was really fun. It was, it, it's like the perfect way to end the, the route because he, it, he just he knows everything about it so it's like all these mm -hmm. things that you've seen throughout this whole entire trip and then you get to the guy that's like oh yeah and then this person and that person and you're like yeah i was there <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah dan is pretty cool he's <laughs> he knows his route 66 as you'll yeah. hear <laughs> all right so why don't we go ahead and play my interview with dan rice okay so i'm here with dan rice why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself for us dan well, you just did a great job. <laughs> I'm, I'm Dan Rice. I am the owner of 66 to Cali, 
which is the original shop at the end of Historic Route 66 in Santa Monica, California. And uh, I'm also the uh, past president of the California Historic Route 66 Association. There are eight associations across Route 66 in each of the states it runs through. And uh, I was president of the California one for a short period of time. And uh, now I am working with the national organization. Um, actually, there are a couple of them, uh, the Route 66 Alliance. I work with my friend Michael Wallace there and uh, my friend David Knutson with the National Historic Route 66 Federation. We have just sort of brought those two organizations under one umbrella called the U.S. 66 Highway Association, which was established in 1927 um, by Cyrus Avery, who's known as the father of Route 66. And his grandson, Cyrus Avery II, who is now 82 years old, had a desire to uh, bring that organization back. And so we've, we've now put Michael and David's organizations together and included them under the original organization, the U.S. 66 Highway Association. So I've been asked to be the executive director of that organization once they really get up and running. So it, there, there's, there's no shortage of, uh, of titles I can throw at you. But the main thing is I'm just a guy who loves Route 66, <laughs> and uh, I own the store at the end. Awesome. So what's your first memory of Route 66? My first memory of Route 66 um, probably would have taken place in Chicago. Uh, my grandparents lived in Chicago when I was a little boy, and so I used to spend a lot of time there. Um, and in the summer times, when I was out of school, I would I would spend a couple of weeks every summer with with my grandparents. And there was lots going on in the big city, and so it was a fun place to to hang out and learn about life. And so my grandfather worked in between East and Westbound Route 66. He worked for the federal government, and uh, that building is located between Adams and Jackson in Chicago. Well, Adams is Westbound 66, and Jackson is eastbound 66, and so in the mornings, when my grandma and I would walk with him to work, you know, we would drop him off and we'd go off to whatever fun thing we were going to do, whether that was Adler Planetarium or the Museum of Science and Industry or where, wherever, Shed's Aquarium, something like that. Um, we'd go off, but one morning, uh, my grandfather made the comment that um, this road that begins right here in Chicago ends out in California where Fonzie lives. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was the coolest thing because the Fonz in my childhood was the coolest guy going. And I, you know, I thought I've got to get to California. I got to meet the Fonz. <laughs> and so I knew the way to get there was route 66. And, uh, that's, that's one of my first memories. And then, um, I remember reading something about it in the newspaper when I was 13 or 14, uh, because it was being, you know, gradually replaced. And it was, completely decommissioned in 1985 and uh, I had been asked if I wanted to take a trip on Route 66 out to see my grandparents over my winter break. Um, my grandfather had retired and they were out in New Mexico for the winter and so I got the opportunity to travel 66 in 1985 for the first time and um, so that was that was fun. I just read this article about you know all the all the people who were big fans of it and um, now I was traveling on it and uh, it was amazing as a 15-year-old boy to see this whole country that just rolled out in front of you. And uh, those are a couple of my first first memories of it. Awesome. So what is it about Route 66? What makes you so passionate about it? Um, you know, it, it represents a time in our country's history when you knew your neighbor. And uh, if you went out of town, your neighbor maybe fed your dog for you. 
And if your neighbor went out of town, maybe you picked up his mail for him. And everybody knew one another. There was a sense of community and uh, connectivity. People, people were linked. And now we're getting more and more uh, isolated from one another. You know, we're on our laptops or, you know, if you can get somebody to look up from their cell phone, you know, <laughs> it's just, uh, it's becoming more isolated and people are lonely. And um, I know that the road is still the way it's always been. When you get out on the road, the people who own the mom and pop shops and motels and museums and diners, um, they're looking to meet you. You know, they know that you have an option of getting on the interstate. So if you're off on Route 66, they know that you're exploring because you're interested and they're interested in you. I mean, it's a kinship that happens with the kind of people that like to take, you know, road trips on the old state highways. And of course, this was the original road trip across the United States. There had never been a paved concrete highway across the United States. So um, this was the original road trip. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I guess I have a, I have a commonality with people um, that is immediately established when I find somebody who likes to take a road trip or if mm -hmm. they like Route 66. And um, it's just a way of, of, of feeling like I'm still in the America I grew up in. And um, that was a great place to be. Awesome. So um, most Americans are familiar with Route 66 to some degree, but I'm, I'm not so sure about like international people. So... Do you want to tell us what exactly Route 66 is for the benefit of all of our listeners? Well, here, let me tell you that it's actually more popular internationally. Oh, than really? It is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. More popular internationally than it is domestically. About 75% of the business we do is with international people. Route oh, 66 wow. is still a road. I mean, it's, a, it's an ambassador for our country, really. People come over here because they want to discover America by driving Route 66. They've heard about it. They know the stories. Uh, in Germany, the show Route 66 that aired from 1960 to 64 is still airing. And, uh, you know, the, these people are coming over to discover the America that they've been told about. And, and so this road, um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, 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 it's still there. It's, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know how else to tell you except for to tell you that Americans don't have the sense of, historic appreciation that somebody who comes from a country that has a thousand or two thousand or three thousand years of history has you know if, if I come out of Italy I have a civic pride about my country because we've been there forever and if I come out of France it's the same thing if I come out of Great Britain it's the same thing if I come out of Scandinavia it's the same thing I mean you know the Vikings were sailing the oceans long before Columbus ever made any sort of trip and so you know, these are countries that they have an appreciation of history. Over here, it's really just a class that you try to get through for a lot of people. So Americans, because we're kind of the teenagers of the world, we're the we're the youngest country, you know, less than 250 years old. Um, there's not really the appreciation for it. You know, we're always trying to go newer and bigger. And, you know, Route 66 is, I mean, seems older to Americans, you know, because it's, what, 90 years old, nearly. Um, but that is a drop in the bucket if you go to Italy or to China or any place else around the world that's, you know, been around for thousands of years. So they can't understand why we don't take better care of this road that they love so much. And um, so, yeah, it's far more popular internationally than it is uh, domestically. Okay, so that brings me to my next question. Why is Route 66 important? 
Why is Route 66 important? Um, it gives us a sense of our country's history. I mean, it was really the backbone of America from 1926 on. And you have to figure that this was a road that um, always embraced the person who needed a second chance at life. Whether you were um, an Okie who had lost everything in the Dust Bowl and you had the opportunity to now get on Route 66 and head out to California where the fertile soil would give you that second chance, you could do that now. And, you know, if you were a guy who had just come back from World War II and you were tired of shoveling sidewalks in Indiana or Michigan or Illinois or Wisconsin, but you remembered your training out in California, um, you could get on Route 66 and you could get back to California. So, you know, after World War II, a lot of people moved west. And, you know, it was always a road for, you know, well, you know, beatniks and surfer wannabes and musicians and folks who wanted to be famous at the end of Route 66 in Los Angeles. And, um, you know, it's always been a road for dreamers and adventurers and rebels and people who um, just march to the beat of their own drum. So it's, uh, I don't know. I just, I just love that about it. I don't know if I answered your question. Oh, yeah. How many times have you done Route 66 completely? Um, from start to finish, I've yeah. done it 20, 29 times. Wow. Um, in the Southwest, from California through the New Mexico border, I've done it more times than I can count. I have no idea how many times I've done wow. it. Wow. Um, and, you know, my store on the pier, I don't hire anybody that hasn't traveled Route 66. So sometimes I'll find somebody who I think, hey, they would be really good because they're good with people. And that's the most important thing is that you're a people person if you're on 66 because that's what 66 is made up of. Um, so if I find somebody like that and I want to hire them, then I'll take them out myself and train them, you know, and over the last six years, I've trained quite a few people, um, you know, at the point that, um, I was president of the California association, we used to travel all over California because there would be people that were interested in 66, um, serving on our board, but maybe they didn't know as much about it as what they could. And so we would, you know, we would take them out and, and show them what it was. I mean, I've, I can't count through the Southwest how many times, but yeah, 29 times on the whole road. Cool. So let's talk about some of your favorite spots on Route 66. How about we talk about a couple of my favorite spots that aren't on Route 66, but um, I think have a huge influence and impact on the road. Sure. Because, because I've been spending a lot of time in Detroit lately. Because the roots of Route 66, even though the road begins in Chicago, the roots of Route 66 began in Detroit. You cannot have a road trip culture without an auto culture. It's a, it's a heck of a ride when you don't have a car. Yeah. <laughs> Not to say that people haven't hitchhiked it, because they have, but it wasn't known for hitchhiking. It was known for, you know, taking the family road trip. And uh, so in Detroit, it was Henry Ford that paved the first one-mile stretch of concrete highway. And that was on Woodward Avenue in Detroit, which was um, the road that ran right in front of his Highland Park plant and uh, where the assembly line uh, was created. And he built that because he was trying to sell Model Ts. And he knew that if he was going up against his chief competition, which were horses that didn't get stuck in the mud, he was going to have kind of an uphill battle because people are creatures of habit. But if he could pave a one-mile stretch of concrete highway and show why this smooth ride in this car that goes faster than the horse and has more horsepower, in fact, if he could put you on a smooth stretch of concrete highway, uh, you wouldn't really have that need for the ba-dump, ba-dump, ba-dump of a horse. 
So he paved a one-mile stretch of concrete highway for $14,000 in 1909. And the civil engineers and the surveyors, they didn't care about the Model T. They were overwhelmed at what he had done, this sort of technological marvel of a highway, of a one-mile paved highway. I mean, paved highways didn't exist. They, they were too expensive, and this was before um, the highway had even started being paved. Now, we were in the time of our country's history known as the Good Roads Movement, and that was no stranger to Detroit. They had the Uniroyal plant right down on the Detroit River. They were making bicycle tires, and people were trying to ride their bikes on better quality roads because it's not that fun to ride home from church in your Sunday best and have the the mud trail going up the back of your jacket or your dress. So, you know, Uniroyal then started making car tires once the auto industry took off. But that that good roads movement, it it wasn't effective, I guess, with the government in order to get roads paved because it wasn't a practical thing to pave roads for bicyclists. So this guy named Cyrus Avery, the father of Route 66, who was the Oklahoma Highway Commissioner, when he heard about that one-mile stretch of concrete highway, he went to Detroit. He met with Henry Ford and the first Wayne County Road Commission to find out how to build a concrete highway, just the same as the surveyors and the civil engineers had done. They, they wanted to see, is this kind of road sustainable? And so Mr. Avery went to meet with Mr. Ford, and he went back to Tulsa with the idea of Route 66. And had it not been for Henry Ford and Wayne County Road Commission in that first one-mile stretch of of concrete, there would not be a Route 66 today. Now, the interesting thing is another guy had gone to Detroit um, who was doing a lot of business between Ontario, Canada, and Chicago. And he also saw that one-mile stretch of concrete highway and thought, man, if we could pave 287 miles of Michigan Avenue from the U.S.-Canadian border all the way to Chicago, I could do a lot more business. And uh, that businessman's name, do you want to take a guess who that was? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> that was Al Capone. Oh, wow. Uh, Al Capone was doing um, all his prohibition activity between Ontario Whoa. and Chicago because he could get all of his illegal liquor liquor from Canada. And so he would bring that liquor over the border and working with the Purple Gang, which was the mafia in Detroit, um, they were making runs up and down Michigan Avenue to Chicago. So he knew that if that road was paved, he could make a lot more runs and he'd break a lot less bottles on a smooth road <laughs> than a bumpy, muddy, ruddy road. There you go. And, uh, so he uh, he went back to Chicago, used his own political relationships to get Route 66 paid from Chicago to St. Louis, which worked in tandem with what Cyrus Avery was trying to do because Cyrus Avery did figure out the way to sell it to the government. He knew that if the road was paved, it would help the economy because the farmers could get their wares to market better. So it would increase trade. And um, so the, the two of them unwittingly, even though they never probably had a conversation in their life, worked together to get Route 66 paved. And uh, 11 years after it began, in 1926, the road was paved all the way to L.A. But it would not have happened if it wasn't for what was going on in Detroit. So I, uh, I like to tell people about that because you can still drive that first one-mile stretch of concrete highway. There's a plaque, actually, oh, cool. um, at the end of the one mile. After you've driven the one mile, if you look off to your right, the west side of, of Woodward Avenue there, you'll see a plaque that marks it as the first one-mile stretch. And then about three-quarters of a mile after that, you're standing in front of um, Henry Ford's Highland Park plant. About three miles after that, you'll be um, at the corner of Woodward and Paquette. If you turn down Paquette Street, about two or three blocks on the left-hand side, you'll actually come to Henry Ford's first plant, the Paquette plant, where the Model T was invented. And so there's a lot of history right there, automotive history, 
Three miles after that, you're at Campus Martius, downtown Detroit. Campus Martius is a spoke-wheeled highway hub where all of these original highways um, kind of emanated from. And one of those was Michigan Avenue. So Woodward Avenue in Detroit comes together with Michigan Avenue at Campus Martius, which was actually the site of the first um, stoplight in the world as well. So if you hung a right there at Michigan Avenue and you went out about 10 to 12 miles, you'd have been um, right in front of Henry Ford's family farm. And today, if you take a left off of Michigan Avenue, the same Michigan Avenue that runs to Chicago, um, and you head down about a mile on your left-hand side, you'll see um, the old Henry Ford homestead. It was, it was the farm that he grew up on. Wow. And um, so that is now the Henry Ford Museum in Greenfield Village. And Greenfield Village is amazing. It was um, you know, it was basically a result of Henry Ford knowing that he was changing the world that he was in, and he wanted to preserve that world, not unlike how I want to preserve Route 66. I don't want it to go away. Well, he didn't want you know all the signs of the world that he'd grown up in to go away, so he started bringing buildings that he thought were significant to world history um, to this to this village he created. And so, for instance, he deconstructed Thomas Edison's lab brick by brick and brought it to Greenfield Village and rebuilt it. He brought Robert Frost home. He brought George Washington Carver's place there. I mean, they're all in Greenfield Village. So if you visit the Henry Ford Museum and, the, and Greenfield Village today, you can see all of these very historic places that we've all heard about. Well, they're all in the same little village now, and Henry mm -hmm. Ford made that happen. And another 200 and... 80 miles after that, you're in Chicago at the beginning of Route 66. To me, that story is the prequel story to Route 66. It sets up because you've gone through, um, you know, an automotive city with the industrial flavor uh, that it has. And then you go, you know, from Detroit to Gary, Indiana, uh, where the foundries all used to be. Um, you get a sense of the industrial nature of the Midwest and why it's called the industrial Midwest. So that when you get to Route 66, you realize that, Route 66 was really the spoils of all the work that was happening back in Detroit, back in Michigan. And uh, so we got the benefit because of all the hard work that was going on there. So I actually, when I do Route 66, I start in Detroit and um, I'll head to Chicago and then I take Chicago the rest of the way out to, to L.A. We know it starts in Chicago. So yes. where does Route 66 end? Well, okay, so this is <laughs> this is a, a, a big thing for me because until I opened my store in 2009, there had never been anything at the end of Route 66. The end of Route 66 in 1926 was downtown Los Angeles at 7th and Broadway. But because it was a paved road and people were able to get here finally without as much difficulty, the city grew like crazy over that 10 years. So January 1st of 1936, the ending of Route 66 was extended from downtown Los Angeles out to Santa Monica. But there was a federal highway rule that had to be fulfilled. You had to have one highway end where another one begins. So a lot of people think, as they're heading down Santa Monica Boulevard, which, which became Route 66, that they can drive all the way to where the road runs out, and that's the end of 66. There's, in fact, a, a plaque there. Uh, that basically commemorates the Will Rogers Highway. The, the road was uh, renamed in the 1950s, 1952 actually, as the Will Rogers Highway. And uh, many people think that where that plaque is, that's the end of Route 66. It's not because it violates the federal highway rule. You can't begin a highway in the ocean. So if you've got to have a highway end where another one begins, that spot doesn't fit 
doesn't doesn't fit that ticket. So about seven blocks before you get to the end of Santa Monica Boulevard, you're at Lincoln Boulevard. You take a left on Lincoln and you drive just a few blocks. You'll be at the corner of Lincoln and Olympic, which is where Pacific Coast Highway clips in. That fulfilled the federal highway rule. So that actually is the official endpoint of Route 66. And it was from 1936 until the mid-60s that that was the official endpoint of 66. But the people who were driving on Route 66, they were on Santa Monica Boulevard, they didn't care anything about federal highway rules. They had just driven across 400 miles of desert. And when they got to Lincoln, they could see the ocean in front of them. So they just kept going until they got to the end of Santa Monica Boulevard at Ocean. And so that spot where the Will Rogers plaque is became known as the symbolic ending of Route 66. Symbolic only because it couldn't ever be made the official end. Um, but when you're in that spot, if you look just two blocks to the south, you'll see the Santa Monica Pier. And so if you've just driven 2,500 miles across the country, and now you see the opportunity to put your vehicle over the Pacific Ocean, are you stopping up on the bluffs or are you driving down to the pier? <laughs> so a lot of people started driving down to the pier. The pier became known as the traditional endpoint of Route 66. Again, it couldn't be made official because you can't induct a pier into a federal highway system. You know, a pier doesn't go anywhere. And if you were to try and induct it in and you were going to take a little trip on the pier, you'd have about a quarter mile before your ride got very wet. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so the pier is known as the traditional endpoint only because the Webster's Dictionary defines it, it defines traditional as the culturally accepted practice or norm. And uh, that's been the cultural practice since 1936. So you've got a traditional endpoint on the pier where my store is. Um, and it is where everybody goes. No, nobody is going to stop over at a nondescript intersection at Lincoln and Olympic. There's To this day, there's still nothing there to commemorate Route 66. Mm -hmm. um, and if you do come down to the symbolic end there at Santa Monica and Ocean Avenue and you see the pier, you're not stopping there again. So um, so the traditional endpoint on the pier, symbolic endpoint at Santa Monica and Ocean, at the Will Rogers uh, Highway plaque, and the official endpoint is at Lincoln and Olympic. So... I guess uh, hopefully that answers your question. Yeah. So do you want to tell us more about your shop, 66 to Cali? Yeah, I'd be glad to. In fact, one of the reasons that I started it is because there had never been any sort of end point, no sign to say, hey, you're at the end. If you're in Chicago at you know Michigan Avenue and Adams, there is a begin sign. And it was always very anticlimactic for me to take a trip on 66 and get to the end and not find any place to take a picture. I didn't know if I was just missing something mm -hmm. or, or what. So when I opened my store, I uh, created uh, an end sign that looks very much like the begin sign in Chicago. And I put that on either end of my store. And um, so when you visited with me out there on the pier a few years ago, I was in a little vendor booth. Mm -hmm. the, city, the city didn't realize that Route 66 was that popular. And so they didn't think that we could have a whole store uh, for just Route 66. And of course, you know from traveling it that uh, there are stores for 2,500 oh, yeah. miles on Route 66. <laughs> but Santa Monica didn't know that. And I mean, they're not very concerned with anything happening outside of, um, you know, Los Angeles County. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and for that matter, they're not that concerned with anything happening outside of Santa Monica. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I put that end sign up there because it was needed. And it gives people a sense of finality and closure and celebration. And uh, it's a gathering spot. So I put it on the end of my vendor cart. And I would push the cart out every day, and people would take pictures in front of the signs um, all day long. I put an end sign on either end of the booth. And um, then at night when I would push in, um, you know, people would boo me because they were just arriving. They wanted to take a picture <laughs> with the end sign. So I'd push the, uh, I'd push the cart back in, and 
I, you know, I would just try and think, how can I get something permanent up here? You know, I don't want to wait until I have a permanent store. Well, I had bought the rights to this old sign um, that said Santa Monica 66 end of the trail. I thought it was a sign mm-hmm. um, that used to be up in Santa Monica because there was a postcard of it. But if you look closely at the postcard, you could find it on Google. If you if you Google Santa Monica 66 end of the trail um, and look under images, you'll see a black and white photo uh, looking down at the pier hmm. and uh, also with that sign. But if you look at it, you can tell it's a really bad 1950s Photoshop because <laughs> this woman during the uh, Will Rogers um, Will Rogers Highway campaign, she decided, you know what, let's make a, a postcard so people come here to show they've made it to the end of 66, um, that they're in Santa Monica. And uh, so anyway, she made this postcard. People have seen that image enough over the years, they actually started to believe that that sign used to be up on the bluffs, and uh, it never was. So I had bought the rights to that sign, um, Santa Monica 66 end of the trail. I put it up on uh, one of my t-shirts, because we had originally started, because I couldn't find anything American made on Route 66 anymore. And that just doesn't make sense to have everything made in China on Route 66. So we were selling T-shirts at the end of 66 showing that you'd made it, and um, I wanted to have that image, that end-of-the-trail image on the shirt. I sold so many of those shirts in the first three weeks that I was open that the city offered me to put the sign up on the pier. Nice. And so I, yeah, so I had the sign created for, you know, many people, they thought it was the second time it was created, thought the original <laughs> one had disappeared, but the truth is I created the sign for the first time wow. in 2009 and put it up on the pier. There's a legend about it. Many people think that it's been around forever, but literally it's, you know, six years old. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> and it's not the original sign. Literally the signs that are in my shop are the original signs, but hmm. they're not as well known. And wow. so, because when we put that sign up that day, ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox came down to cover <laughs> that there was finally a permanent sign at the end of 66. Mm-hmm. And uh, that night, even though it was supposed to be a local story, we made the NBC Nightly News. And the next day, we made the New York Times and the LA Times, but in the UK, we made the Independent. Now, the Independent story got syndicated to Ireland, Australia, New Zealand, and South Africa. So we reached 60 million people around the world. And uh, that got a lot of attention for the end of the trail sign. But that end of the trail sign was just a figment of my imagination, I guess, (laughs) and and, and my creation. And... um, but the original signs are still in my store because once we did that and that event was um, so successful, everybody in Santa Monica suddenly wanted to be in the Route 66 game. They didn't know anything about it, but they knew that you had money <laughs> in your pocket, and so they started carrying 66 stuff. Meanwhile, I was stuck in a six-foot-by-three-foot vendor booth, and so I had a, a guy there in the city who said, okay, we get it. You needed a store. And um, so he gave me the opportunity to move into a permanent location. So we moved into this little kiosk. It's literally when you drive onto the pier, when you can't drive any further and you have to turn left to park, my shop is sitting right there at that turn. There's a stop sign there and there's the end sign for 66 right in the end of my shop. So now we're permanent. We've got those original signs in the end of our store and another 50 yards down the pier, you'll see the end of the trail sign. But to me, the end of the trail sign is not really that important because now we've got the sign that matches the uh, begin sign in Chicago. And uh, that's the bookend picture that I think people should be looking for. Yeah. It's just that the end of the trail sign got a lot more press and <laughs> I was in a I was in a vendor card at the time. So we needed something permanent. But anyway, my store, you'd asked about my store. My mm-hmm. store sells all American-made products. We're the only store on Route 66 uh, that sells American-made products anymore. Um I mean, we're 100. Some some places do sell American stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not 100. percent And um, you're lucky if it's 10. percent Probably the closest person 
um, that you know carries American-made products to me is Angel Delgadillo, who is a mentor of mine uh, in Arizona. And uh, he has only really kind of increased that since I started my store. He and I um, have talked a lot about that, and he, uh, I think, has endeavored to increase the amount of American-made products because uh, he agreed. You know, everything mm-hmm. on 66 should be domestic if it can be. It should be mm-hmm. American-made. Um, so he and I probably carry the most American-made stuff. So now we carry, you know, T-shirts and shot glasses and signs and you name it. If it's made in the United States and it's got a 66 on it, then I carry it. And if it's not made in the United States, but I need something that says 66 on it, like let's say a keychain or uh, a hat pin or something like that, then I go looking for a company in the United States that can make those products and we try to bring more work to American cool. companies. And, um, you know, a lot of times we'll buy things from people who are making things on 66 already. If, if we can't find somebody on 66 that, um, you know, has that product that they're making it, we'll look for somebody in the culture of Route 66. That might mean um, Las Vegas, for instance, because everybody likes to go up to Las Vegas while they're taking a Route 66 trip. So, for instance, I found a, a company that was a family-owned company um, to make pins for us and to make keychains for us that um, is in Las Vegas. And uh, for 60 years they've been around, and um, now they're making keychains and, and pins for us. And uh, so we just try to, you know, spread the wealth if we can and get people talking about American-made. It takes Americans to, uh, to make those American-made products, and that provides jobs. And um, we're all about helping America. Cool. So um, do you want to tell people how they can – find out about 66 to Cali online and you kind of described it already, but like if people actually want to visit. Yeah, you can go to our website, uh, which I am so busy. I never update and I'm traveling so much a lot these days that, um, I'm not real timely with delivering things that are ordered, unfortunately. Um, so you can go to 66 to Cali.com. It's the number 66 T O capital C A L I.com. Um, you can learn a little bit about our store there. Um, or you can just go on Facebook and uh, look for 66 to Cali uh, on Facebook or just under my name. Originally, um, I had a Dan Rice Facebook page that was going to be my own personal page. It had nothing to do with the business, but I found that very quickly that page became more popular than the 66 to Cali page because people want to know about the people mm-hmm. on 66. You know, it, it, It's really about the people. It's not necessarily about the stores because you know the stores – they can be busy one year and then they're abandoned the next. It's the people that bring the color and the fun to Route 66. And so um, because we did what we did with creating an endpoint, people were extremely kind to me and they wanted to be my friends on Facebook. So you can just look for Dan Rice and I, I get messages there all the time. Okay, awesome. So do you have any final thoughts on Route 66 before we go? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> um, I, I, I think that the future could be very bright for Route 66. You know, I I told you about the Detroit story. I'm uh, fortunate right now. I'm working with the Henry Ford Museum, trying to get them to dial their history back into Route 66. And uh, that is a really exciting thing for me. Um, Beyond that, Will Rogers, who the road was named for, um, I just reached out to his granddaughter, Jennifer Rogers Echeverry. Um, She's very interested in bringing her grandfather's place. He has a museum in uh, Claremore, Oklahoma, which is where he grew up. And he ended up living out here in Santa Monica. He has the Will Rogers Ranch, literally three miles north of the pier. Um, People don't even know who Will Rogers is anymore. He was the largest 
most famous most famous star of his day, um, highest paid. And, you know, he was a political uh, commentator. He was a, a comic or a humorist. Um, and he was, you know, he was the biggest star. So if you were to combine today Robert Downey Jr., Jerry Seinfeld, and say John Stewart from The Daily wow. Show <laughs> into one person, that's how big Will Rogers was. And nobody even knows who he is today. Wow. So it would be my great hope that I can help the folks at the Will Rogers Museum and the people at the Will Rogers Ranch and the people at the Henry Ford Museum to dial their history back into this road. Beyond that, when Walt Disney was designing Disneyland, you know, he knew Henry Ford. And so he went to um, Greenfield Village and he saw the layout there of Greenfield Village, which helped him to design Disneyland. And there was nobody reaching the end of Route 66 that wasn't trying to take a trip down to Disneyland if they came this far. So Disney has a you know has a pretty hefty stake in Route 66 as well. And of course, a few years ago they put the movie Cars out, which is all about Route 66. Mm-hmm. You know, Disney and Pixar. Um, but beyond that, Walt Disney used to play uh, polo with Will Rogers. Wow. So those guys knew each other. That's and Cyrus crazy. Avery knew Henry Ford and also knew Will Rogers because Will Rogers was his neighbor. And so there are a lot of pieces that still haven't been brought back into the puzzle. And I'm trying to do that. I, I really would like to be able to um, re-anchor this road in a way that people really understand the magnitude of it. And if you understand the magnitude of the people that were involved with it, especially Will Rogers, um, you can get a sense of just why this road was so monumental. So I, uh, I'm excited for the future. And uh, I don't know if I'll get those folks to uh, you know, respond the way that I think they should in their best interest um but we're at least talking and so that's that's exciting for the future all right well thanks so much for coming on the show well thank you i I appreciate you having me all right so route 66 it's pretty amazing Mm -hmm. do you think you'd ever go on route 66 again like do another route 66 trip yeah actually i i was just thinking about this well it's been a, a little while ago now um because Selena graduated this year. My niece mm-hmm. graduated this year. And that was something that I was talking to her. I'm like, oh, we should plan a road trip now that you're oh done school and everything. And it, it crossed my mind. I'm like, oh, we could do Route 66. But then I haven't done it. But <laughs> <laughs> That would be but awesome. It, it, I definitely would. And I think I know that, uh, you know, along the way, talking to different people and uh, even we – would talk to people that were, they themselves were, you know, doing the whole route. And a lot of them said, oh, this is our, you know, third or fourth time or whatever, doing either the route in full or certain sections of it or whatever. And they said that they're like, every time you go, you're always gonna, you know, see something new. I mean, obviously, you can't see all of it. Mm -hmm. Every, every attraction, you know, the first time around. So yeah, they said that that was, you know, they were kind of doing that on purpose, like, trying to find that next thing that they hadn't seen yet and, and making a point to, to go to that one. So it's, I mean, it, it would definitely be something that I would love to do again. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so what, overall, what was your favorite part of Route 66? Um, <laughs> let me think. The, well, like I said, the drive at, from Needles on was mm-hmm. really awesome. Um, oh, where was the place in Texas where it was the mid midpoint, the midpoint cafe? Oh, yeah. That place was really cool, too. And they had delicious cobbler 
Didn't they call it, like, Ugly Pie or something? Yes, that's what it was called. It was Ugly Pie because it was just, like, all schlumped in a bowl with ice cream <laughs> on it. But it was awesome. It was amazing. It was so good. Oh, the yeah, other... the food was so good. Yes, that, it's the, fu- the food is just, it's totally fun food. That's all yeah. it is. The whole like, American. Food. It doesn't yeah. get, like, more American classic, like, yeah. cheeseburgers, malts, french fries, yeah. pie. <laughs> good stuff. People and like our and... our awesome like road tripping, like in between. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, and the fact that you had the whole you had a whole playlist lined up that with songs that corresponded to different states. Oh yeah, that was and, pretty awesome. Yeah, that was really cool. Like when we were in Winslow, and so we had the Eagle song that has Winslow, Arizona in it, and that was. Um, and then what else was the one that we California Dreamin' when we yes, went to California? Yep, California Dreamin'. Oh yeah. And there was another one, something else about just Arizona in general, wasn't there? Oh, is it? I think it's called Arizona. Oh yeah. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> or I might have had a horse with no name. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But there was just there were songs throughout the whole entire thing, so it yeah, was. Yeah, I'm, was I'm really clever good. like that. <laughs> good job, you. Yay! <laughs> uh, awesome. And Al, our our mascot. Oh, I know. I'll post a few pictures of yeah. Al. Al's this little green alien beanie baby that Candor gave me when we were like what, like ten or eleven or something like that. Oh, uh, and I've had him <laughs> ever since then. And, we decided that he's going to be our mascot for Route 66. And yep. then so I, I even took him when I just went back a couple of days ago and <laughs> sent a few pictures to Kandra. I'm sure that was a nice surprise for you. <laughs> yes, that was awesome. Well, and the, the really best part was that we had matching owls when we were I know, and you lost yours. I lost my original owl. Ah. So it was very meaningful that we got to take your owl on the whole road trip. Okay, so... It's been great talking to you, Kendra, and until next time, embrace the weird. Woo! Alrighty, I hope you guys have enjoyed hearing all about Historic Route 66. Be sure to check out the Nerd of Paradise Twitter account where I was posting pics from my day trip to Seligman. And maybe I'll also give a link to my Flickr account where I have pictures from the trip that me and Kendra took. How about you guys? Do you have any cool pictures or funny stories from your Route 66 adventures? Be sure to tweet them at us or send in an email. We would love to hear from you guys. So email hello at nerdofparadise.net. Twitter is at nofppod. So before I wrap this show up, I just wanted to give a couple shout outs to some listener feedback that we've gotten for the last couple episodes. So big thanks to Elizabeth Cole. Her Twitter handle, she gave some pronunciation tips. It's at Easel. So she had some awesome comments about a couple of the episodes she had listened to. Um, she says that she's currently reading all of James Harriet's books and she owns his book of cat stories. So that's awesome. And then she recommends that if I'm ever in Kanab, Utah, go to the Read Cat Bookstore on the corner of US 89 perfect place for cat and book lovers. I'll definitely keep that in mind if I'm ever in the area. 
And then she also asks who would be my dream cast in a biopic about Ada Lovelace. That was such a great question, Elizabeth. Um, I gave her the answer, Emily Blunt. And then she came back with Emma Watson, so that would be pretty amazing. I got some really good feedback from the Astromech episode, so thanks to everyone who had something to say about that. But I wanted to give a special shout out to Elle Nowatsky, who does the Star Wars podcast, Force Children, with his two kids, Anna and Liam. He says about the Astromech episode that it was a great episode and interview. Talking to BB-8 like he's a cat was the icing on the cake. So thanks for that, Al. And so if you guys are interested in a really fun, awesome Star Wars podcast that includes some perspectives, you know, from a child's point of view, check out Force Children. Um, on Twitter, you can follow them at, at Force Children. So in the tradition that I've been closing out each episode with a relevant quote to the topic that we've been discussing, I'll actually go with a lyric this time from the iconic song Route 66. So won't you get hip to this timely tip when you make that California trip, get your kicks on Route 66. See y'all next time.